Hello, fellow Rebel Capitalists. Hope you're well. So I've got some great news. I'm super excited. I now have access, at least temporarily, <laughs> to the Wall Street Journals going all the way back to 1923. And you want to talk about some incredible insights. How about this? Something I just stumbled upon. Emailed it to myself. Now, you're not going to be able to read this, but I'm going to walk you through it. So let me go ahead. we got the screen share going. This is the front page. Let me see if I can zoom in a bit. There we go. This is the front page of the Wall Street Journal, July 1st, 1944. So what was going on during this time? Well, as most of you guys know, that would be Bretton Woods. So what we're able to do by going into these archives is read about major events in financial history as they're happening. In fact, look at this. Here is the article talking about Bretton Woods here on the left. Look at this. It's not even called Bretton Woods. It's called Bankers Dislike Scheme of Experts Who Meet Today. That's, <laughs> that's what Bretton Woods was before they named it Bretton Woods. And they go on here in the article to talk about how these groups, and they keep calling them quote-unquote experts, almost like they're being sarcastic. And they say these experts are are 150 representatives. I'm reading right now. 100 as 150. I think that's 150. This, this type is kind of hard to read because it's so old. As 150 representatives of 42 nations gathered at Bretton Woods, New Hampshire's, for an extended discussion of global monetary credit and trade problems starting today. Wall Street Journal representatives in half dozen large cities sought. I think maybe the views of. Practical bankers and bank economists who specialize in monetary matters. So, I'll, I'll, I mean, the gist of it here is these bankers in the United States and in London, they didn't like Bretton Woods. <laughs> they thought the ideas that were being proposed were actually really bad. And they really didn't like the setting up of the World Bank. So, as most of you guys know, in 1944, as a result of Bretton Woods, they said, oh, by the way, let's go ahead and implement this thing called the IMF as well. And let's go ahead and implement this thing called a World Bank, which is the same World Bank and IMF that we have today, uh, part of the big problem here. And one of the main reasons is because uh, they actually interviewed some of the bankers that you can read further down in the article. And they said that they didn't want to get that they didn't want to give any type of sovereignty over to a world bank. Like, why should we do this? What are we talking about? We're the United States. What, why should we delegate this to some group of bureaucrats that are outside of the country just because of the quote-unquote world bank? It's almost like they're kind of shunning the genesis of the global elite. <laughs> like, like, no, we don't want these global elite dictating what we do. Screw them. We should. This should be up to us. And I actually wrote down a couple other things that struck me. Now, I've been reading Wall Street journals from 1944 to 1947, not just to get insights on Bretton Woods as it was playing out in real time, but also the consumer price inflation that they had in the 1940s, how it really spiked up to 19% in 1947. And as you guys know from watching my videos, 1949, it was all the way down to minus two. We went to 19% inflation all the way down to 2% deflation within the matter of, what, a couple of years? 
a little over a couple of years. And uh, I, I think, you know, this is my base case for the 2020s. I think this is exactly how it's going to play out. Uh, my good friend, Lynn Alden, has done a lot of research on this, and she sees it the same way. And if you read about what was happening, how the money supply was increasing back then, and what they were saying about it, and then the price controls, and then um, some of the impacts on the global supply chains and whatnot, uh, excluding the price controls, which I think we'll get in the future, uh, it's it's almost like reading a Wall Street Journal from today. <laughs> it's like they're doing the exact same things. That all these the the government was meddling in the economy and trying to pull this string and that string. It's it's absolutely surreal to go back and and read these. But another thing that I wanted to point out, and this is probably the, the main takeaway from reading all of these articles and insights that you get from these archive editions of the Wall Street Journal, is I've probably read as far as uh, the, the page, the, the papers are usually about eight pages. So you kind of go through these archives. And I've gone through probably 10 so far, r- maybe roughly 10 of these just cover to cover, right? Not just the front page, cover to cover on these things. And well, at least when you get back to all the, the, the numbers, you know, that they used to have in the last couple pages there that are just kind of uh, like commodity prices and bond prices and whatnot. And I have not read one thing not even one mention of the Federal Reserve, not even one. You would think in an article about monetary maneuvers, about creating a new system, a new global monetary system, that they, w- that they would mention the Fed, not even once, not even once. And it's not just in this article, it's the whole paper. And I'm, I'm sure they've mentioned them, they mentioned them periodically, but I've read 10 of these things so far and they haven't mentioned the fed once how how have i mean how do i even articulate this it is incredible it's astonishing how times have changed i would bet that now you couldn't read four paragraphs of the wall street journal without them mentioning the fed Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out of control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Another thing that I wanted to mention is as I go through what I, another thing I've really noticed about the, the front page of the wall street journal back then, it was all about manufacturing that they would give statistics on this manufacturing, this production, this output, manufacture, 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 furniture, manufacturing, um, you know, agriculture output, blah, 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 blah. That's usually what the, the, the majority of what I've seen 
on the home page of these uh, issues. Nothing, not not nothing, but very little about finance. Where I would bet, if you pull up a Wall Street Journal from today, I mean, you're going to ninety five percent of it is going to be on financial engineering, effectively financial engineering, and like crypto or <laughs> or some sort of AI or you know some sort of. Uh, just something that's not creating goods and services. I guess you could argue AI is, AI is productivity. But you get what I'm saying, that we've gone from all this focus on manufacturing and producing stuff to now you read a Wall Street Journal, and it's all just about financial engineering. It's not about producing anything. But then going back to the Federal Reserve, you know, I had uh, someone on Twitter comment that, well, maybe they were just kind of incognito because the Fed was set up and kind of in the shadows in 1913, 1914. So it wasn't a big deal. I don't think that's it at all. I, I mean, I think, I mean, this is the Wall Street Journal for heaven's sake. They know exactly who the, the Fed was and the Fed chair. They just didn't care. They didn't care. Why? Because the Fed didn't matter. <laughs> they, they, they knew back then. It's like they're smarter back then than we are today. Back then they knew that the Fed was really not relevant and that that who was relevant, it was the banksters. It was the commercial bankers. They were the ones that were calling the shots. They were the ones that you need to pay attention to. Their actions really matter. Where the Federal Reserve actions, not really. So I'm going to be fascinated to go through this and, and see how the Fed kind of weasels their way into the conversation. How did they go from being completely and totally insignificant to where the Wall Street Journal isn't even mentioning them. Like they don't even exist. How did they go from that to being the only thing that the financial news talks about in 2023? So how did they bring themselves to the forefront there? And how did they do it in a way that allows them to now manipulate the game, not from a mechanical standpoint so much, but really from a standpoint of psychology. But the main takeaway here is if you want some fascinating stuff and some insights, and if you really want to have an edge, all you got to do is go back in history and read about these things from the individuals who experienced them in real time. Listen to those arguments back and forth, because what you'll notice is it's the exact same arguments <laughs> that we see today. There's nothing new under the sun. It's just, uh, it, it doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. And if we can just go back and see those arguments and the debates they had and learn from the experiences of the, the individuals who preceded us, that, that's how we really can determine the probabilities of whatever outcome we're trying to figure out. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market, capitalism. See you in the next video.